Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. I'm your host Stephanie Preisner and today with me I have in studio a woman named Melissa who is a midwife and I'm finally getting around to this episode that I promised I would get around to. I think I promised it back in 2020. We did an episode called What is a Story with Being Pregnant, Jennifer? with Jennifer Donnelly who is a consultant obstetrician and during that episode I mentioned or we discussed the fact that not all pregnancies need a consultant that most pregnancies that are low risk can be very well handled by a midwife. And I said, oh, we must do a podcast with a midwife. And I never got around to it. And now I am. Hello, Melissa. Thank Hi. you for coming to studio. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. So you've listened to the podcast with Jennifer have, Donnelly yeah. and you have years of experience of uh, delivering babies. Will you talk to me about what it is like to find out you're pregnant and go through a pregnancy that is, you know, low risk or whatever? without ever meeting a doctor. Sure. So that's then midwifery led. Okay. So in every hospital in Dublin, they have um, their catchment areas. Okay. So you can go, as soon as you find out you're pregnant, you can choose whatever hospital you like. Um, just because you're a Northsider doesn't mean you need to go to the Rotunda. Um, so it's very much a preference. And that could be from your friends having babies there. You could have been born there or you could work in town and Hollis Street's just handier so you go there. Yeah, that's um, why I chose Yeah, it. and then a lot of people like Luke and Leakslip, um, Ballyfermot, that kind of area, Dublin 8, that they'd all be coming to the Coombe but plenty of people have been born in the Coombe so they want to go back there. And then and nationally, is it sort of like you go to the closest place? A lot of the time people do but yeah. again, it could be a preference or they could have friends that work there and they just feel safer going where they know familiar know faces. Yeah. It could be absolutely anything. So, as soon as you find out that you're pregnant, you would check in with your GP, but you can also self-refer as well. And there's options for that online. Um, and you can take it from there. Okay. So then uh, when you have your booking, that's when we kind of decipher whether you're low risk or high risk. What are the factors and when, what week is booking? So booking is usually after about 10 weeks, like okay. 10 to 12 weeks is when you'd come for your booking um, and you'd have your dating scan just to confirm that it's a viable pregnancy and how many weeks you are exactly. Like we go by the first day of your period, but everybody's cycle is different. So the dating scan is gives the proper 
time scale there. Yeah. Um, but you come at around 10 weeks and you meet a midwife. That's your first person. Whether you go privately, semi-private or public, you meet with a midwife. Your booking appointment can be anything up to an hour and they're going through any medical history you might have, if you've had any surgical in the past, if it's your first pregnancy, if you've gone through any baby loss, uh, miscarriages, um, ectopic pregnancies. They look into all of that. Have you got any allergies? Um, so that's all about that. Um, and then after that, you would then see them again much later in the pregnancy, provided everything was going OK. If you had medical problems like, say, diabetes or um anything with blood pressure, anything that makes you just that little bit higher risk, then you'd be linked in with the obstetricians then. Okay. Um, and you could even be linked in with the medical clinic, which um, you would have a specialist midwife looking after you then as well. So say so, everything is fine and you're low risk yeah. and you're 10 weeks pregnant, yes. you go to this booking scan. Yes. And everything's fine. You see the heartbeat. What does the midwife say? Like, when do you see the midwife? When do you next check in with someone? It could be much closer to, like, you kind of get on with things. And um, other than that, you're coming back for your 20 week scan then. Okay. Um, and that's your anomaly scan just to see. A lot of people think it's all oh, great. I'm going to find out if it's a boy or a girl, but it's it's a lot more detailed than that. We we're, we're want to make sure that everything is present for baby. You know, there's a heart there, you know, two lungs, two kidneys, um, that the brain is there and it's looking well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, two arms, two legs. So it's looking at more than just it's a boy, it's a girl. Um, so you know people can be quite anxious at that time coming in for that scan I suppose if you have an understanding and does it often like how often do you do those scans would they do them I don't personally do them I'm not a sonographer Um, you do have specialist midwives that would do that um, and and doctors and then if something is wrong at that time okay so then you would link them in with um, obstetricians and um Sometimes you would meet a paediatrician at that point as well. Um, if it's something cardiac, they often bring in a cardiologist from Crumlin um, and they would meet you throughout the pregnancy and have a much more in-depth look at the heart and things like that. But there's a lot of preparation then for, for the couple because they need to be debriefed on that. You know, you could go in there going, this is going to be such a fun day and your whole world could be turned around in a, in a split second. Um, but that's not to scare people. That doesn't happen all the time but it's just I suppose to have that in your mind that it's a bigger scan than just finding out the the sex yes Mm -hmm. exactly but that that would be your sonographer and then uh, that that would be out of my my scope yes so would you meet a midwife at that scan or just the sonographer no that would just be your dating scan but you would see a midwife throughout like you know you come every time you come in you're getting your blood pressure checked you're getting your urine dipped um they can't really listen into baby's heart rate till much later um usually after 18 weeks with, with a doppler uh, 20 weeks the reason we don't want to do that any sooner they're so small and if we can't pick it up that just puts unnecessary fear into the women because they're like oh my god why can't you hear it but it, they're so small that it's impossible for us to pick it up yeah. you know um, so that's why it's later in your pregnancy like after the 23 weeks then we will be listening in with Dopplers at every visit and how frequent are the visits after 20 weeks so you're every couple of weeks like um, it's only towards the end that you're in every week um, so it could be every three weeks you could be another four weeks depending on what goes on in that visit yeah. if all is 
fine. Um, you could be linked in combined care with your GP. You don't always have to go into the hospital. Um, there's some areas that they do midwife clinics as well. Um, so for my hospital, for example, there is a domino service. They're community midwives. They're for specific low risk women. And um, they would have clinics in NACE. They would have clinics in Tala Hospital. So p- to prevent you having to come into your maternity hospital at every visit, you right. can go see them at, the, at your clinics, at your convenience, really. So you go to see the community midwives and they do the same thing, just check. Absolutely. Like the Doppler, yeah, they're, blood pressure. Blood pressure. They're checking your urine as well to make sure there's no glucose or protein because they're looking for things like preeclampsia, uh, gestational diabetes. They want to make sure that your baby appears to be growing at the right rate. So they'll be measuring your abdomen as well just to check that baby's growing at the right um, stages. Uh, if you've any concerns with, um, like if you're struggling or anything with your mental health, because that can happen as well. These are really good things that your midwife will pick, be able to pick up on or, or provide you extra support if needed. Like, And that, that support would happen either with the midwife or is it like you'd be referred to perinatal mental health services? You'd be referred if, that, if that's what you want. Um, midwives are there to listen to everything and put your mind at ease. But if it's a case that you feel like I, I'm just not right like or I feel like I'm struggling a little bit, then absolutely we would always ask your permission and then refer on to um, the mental health team. Yeah. And um, so is is midwife led care only like would you be allowed to have midwife led care if you were having twins? No, that that is because that's a high risk. It is because you've you've two in there, and right, there's okay. a few other things that can go on. But there's a multiple births clinic for that, um, and so you would be seen with obstetricians. But your midwife again would do the usual like your blood pressure listening in your urine things like that and then you would wait to be seen by an obstetrician and they would be keeping an eye doing probably more scans than the the average person would on on a single pregnancy okay so say you're a low risk pregnancy you're 38 weeks pregnant you're having your appointment with the midwife and it's all sort of you know like you've bought the car seat and everything what what happens how how is it planned i i have had I've had a baby and I've had a number of miscarriages as well, but I've been in the private system, so I'm okay. not sure how the public system works. Okay. Um. So you're 30 weeks pregnant, you know, you're starting to like make plans or whatever. Yeah. What happens? So at 38 weeks, a long time before that now, you'd be advised to sign up to antenatal classes. Oh, yes. Yeah. 100%. Oh, we did um, those too, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it's fine. Talk to your friends who have babies. They'll tell you. But a lot of people forget, actually, that time because mm-hmm. you're caught up in motherhood then. And it's a whole yeah. different level. Um, but anti- I think I was, I signed up for them, but you weren't allowed to sign up until after 23. Three or yeah, seven weeks yeah, or something. You don't want to be doing it too, too soon, soon either. Yeah, you need because it, it needs to stay fresh in your mind. Um, yeah. So kind of later on the better. But a lot, it's not unusual. We sometimes have women coming in in labour at thirty five weeks, and they're like, "Oh, I missed my antenatal classes." Yes. Yeah. Uh, that happens a lot actually. Um, but it's really important to do them because it'll just give you, um kind of an idea of what to expect what you're supposed to look out for even how to pack your case mm-hmm. coming into the hospital what do I need um, things to look out for like signs of early labour and things like that but every maternity hospital has like a phone line like an assessment unit or an emergency room so um, if you're at home wondering is this normal just ring and, and ask you know don't be at home freaking out googling like, stuff yeah. oh yeah. don't google please don't google there's certain things to google like what things can I eat in pregnancy that's fine but 
but other things, um, Google just scares people. So you're better off just ringing one of us and we'll hopefully put your mind at ease over the phone. Yes, so you've um, done your antenatal class. So yeah, if you've done your antenatal classes, then you'll kind of be aware of the signs to look for. So technically, you're, you're full term of 40 weeks. So people think 38 weeks are going to have my baby now. You probably won't. Like you'll hit 40 weeks and you could even go a week over. And that's that's absolutely fine. Um, the things you really need to look out for uh, from 30 weeks on at all time of the pregnancy, it's your baby's movements. You're the mother, you know um, your baby's routine. And at any point, if you feel that that just isn't normal for you, you need to be contacting us. Um, like, don't be sitting at home for a couple of days going, ah, I'm sure it's nothing. Uh, go with your gut. And if you're worried, that's a fairly good reason to be ringing us and we'll always bring you in just to reassure you. So movements is massive in pregnancy, okay? Um, at 38 weeks, yes, you could go into labour. So, like, if you notice that your mucus plug, you know, the... Yeah, it, it looks like literally phlegm. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a big lump of phlegm. Um, it's Do you know quite... what it looks like? Have you ever been, put one of those aerial pods in the washing machine? Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't dissolve properly. <laughs> that yeah. is what it looks pretty like. Pretty much, pretty much. Like I, I uh, yeah, my friends are very graphic with me, put it that way, and they can be. Um, so I've I've been sent pictures of people's show. Is this what you're talking about? Absolutely, that's what I'm talking about. Um, so that is absolutely fine. You do not need to come to the hospital for losing your mucus plug um, that's, that seems to be a big one that worries people they're like oh good god I've lost my mucus plug I'm going into labour and they panic I think it's because it's called a mucus plug and people think that it's like a plug in a bath I it's know. like oh my god all the water's yeah. going to start running out and absolutely and you know what the movies don't do women any favours either yeah. like even for when your waters go you're like oh god I'm having a baby um, you could be days you could be weeks people could lose their waters at 20 something weeks and we're keeping we're trying to keep that baby in for as long as we can um, so it doesn't always mean go to the hospital now. Yeah. You know, um, I will touch on that, though, because you do have to come in when your waters go. Um, but it doesn't mean there's a baby following straight away. Uh, so, yeah, mucus plug is another one to look out for. That's a really good sign. Some people go into labour that day. Some people go into labour a week later. So it's and you could be losing your mucus plug for a couple of days. Um, but what we're asking for is when you're bleeding. So some people do have a bit of spotting in pregnancy. A bit of that mucus plug could be bloodstained, a little bit pinkish looking. That's OK. But if it looks like you're starting to bleed, like, you know, the start of a period. Yeah, like red, red blood. Yeah, that's the point where you need to be coming in to get checked out. Um, again, Braxton Why is hit. that? Like it's not normal to bleed. No, it? it's not normal to bleed. Like if you're progress, say you're laboring and you're progressing and your cervix is dilating at a fast rate, you could see again. It's like called show. Uh, it's like your mucus, but it can be kind of bloody looking, and that can sometimes be because you're progressing. But if you're not having any pains and suddenly you're bleeding, we're wondering, well, where is that bleeding coming from? A lot of the times we don't know, um, but it could be coming from your placenta. Like some women's placentas could be low, low line, but they they will know that. Yeah. So so that's something you would ask them over the phone. Um, you, sometimes you can bleed after intercourse. So we always ask that. As uncomfortable as it is for women, it, it can happen. Uh, sometimes if they're going mad at the gym. Uh, there's so many little reasons, but we don't know that and we can't see it over the phone. So that's why we get women to come in just so we can um, assess them and see, is it active bleeding? Is it just spotting? Is it old blood, new blood? So there's a few things we need to check out there. Okay. So, so things to look out for, I suppose, out for when yeah. you're 38 weeks. So uh, the movements, your mucus plug, Braxton Hicks. Have you heard of them? Yeah, had them. They, yeah, <laughs> they're really mean, aren't they? Yeah. Um. So you you do feel like you're in labour. They could be that intense. 
but then they just go and yeah. that that's kind of how I you know I only had them once at like 27 weeks or yeah, something it's I was scary. like oh wow yeah. this can't be happening and you're not expecting it that, no. at that stage but that's how early they can they can come and they can be so intense that you feel like oh right this is it like I'm going to hang this out now at home and uh, hopefully head in now and have my baby and then suddenly they're gone and that could go on for a couple of weeks. And it's, what is that? Like, and it's, it's getting your body ready. Like you're, it's but like, everyone doesn't get them. Uh, well, some people probably do. They just maybe they have a better tra- pain threshold, or they, or they haven't noticed, or it could be like lower back pain that they didn't realize, you know. But yeah. they they are coming and going, so it very much feels like, I, oh my god, this is it. Um, but your contraction pains when you're in labor um if anything they get closer they get longer they get more intense and they and they keep coming there's no they don't stop yeah um so that's kind of how you know but apparently someone said to me if you have to ask am i in labor you're not in yeah, labor like, you'll absolutely yeah. know when you're in labor but the thing is that when it starts you don't know how long you have to get to the hospital because the movies would tell you you have 4 seconds yes i know but actually you could have days you could have days which yeah okay and i suppose that's why we do have those phone lines as well just to put your mind at ease um, we've no problem people ringing asking us these questions um, but we have often had women you know they're ringing you they're explaining their pains and w- they probably think we're really cruel because we're telling everyone to stay at home but there's method in our madness women do better in their own environment um, you have your partner there you can walk around in the nude if you want it doesn't matter you know get in and out of the shower the bath your better hormones you know dim yeah. lighting your own music you're in your own environment it's much women do better the longer you can stay at home as soon as you come into a hospital brighter lights very clinical you're up and down stairs you could be in a room with other women labouring at the same time um, it can be quite difficult but at the same time you might just need that pain relief and you do need to come in and that's completely fine as well. So you might ring and say, like, do you ever turn women away? Like who show up? Well, we would always see anyone who comes to the door, you, you would assess them and see. Yeah. But um, some, yeah, you would be sending people home if, if they didn't warrant. If they weren't. If they didn't. if they Because they could be in for a week. Like I know. Um, if they weren't in active labour. Um, and what is active labour then? I know we're very mean, aren't we? Uh, so there's the first stage. It's OK. So early labour could last a couple of days. And that's you. You're contracting, but... Active labour is three centimetres onwards, okay? So, but that can take a couple of days to get to that point. So we seem really cruel as midwives going, you just have, we're not quite there yet. So it's probably best if you go home and women are genuinely looking at you terrified going, sorry, I can't go home like this. I'm in so much pain. And we would assess that. Every woman gets assessed. If they want us to do an examination vaginally, we will do that to let them know. Sometimes that's all women need. Am I in labour? Am I not? Can you please check me out? And if you know that they have a bit to go, they're okay with that and they'll go home and there's a plan put in place. But there are other women, they're serving, like they mightn't be in labour, they could be one centimetre or, um, you know, the cervix could be still very, very long, the head could be high, but they're just not coping with the pain. Then we would absolutely get them a bed on the antenatal ward and try and get their pain under control. Um, but it wouldn't be unusual then that things, those pains could completely go and they could be going home the next morning, you know? And so... But say you say someone is two centimetres dilated and you're like, you know, you have a while, you go home. Is it possible that like they go home and they go from two centimetres to like six centimetres very quickly and then 
generally after if it's their second, third, fourth baby. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Listen, first time mums can bomb it as well. Like we can't tarnish everybody with the same brush because everybody is different. Um, but we would know kind of on examination, like um, there's a couple of things you're looking for with the cervix and you're also looking at that person's pains. So we could examine you in your two centimetres but we know by looking at your behaviour, by the, like the length of your cervix, things like that, where the head is at, probably best not to send that person home. So we'll just send her mobilising for a while, get her walking up and down the stairs. At least she's still with her partner. She can go for little walks around the grounds of the hospital um, go down to the coffee shop, whatever she needs. Uh, sometimes just a bit of walking, a bit of mobility can actually improve that and, and you could then crack on. And so what happens then when you are in active labour? Okay, so again, um, it all depends on the person because you could have 10 kids, all 10 are going to be different. Um, if you're okay staying at home, because that can happen, they could ring you and say, look, I'm having pains, but it's like one every 20 minutes. So you'll be like, are you okay to stay at home? Is baby moving? Any signs of bleeding? Have your waters gone? If the, if the answer is yes, baby's moving, no bleeding, no waters, I'm happy to stay at home. Then you would just explain, like have a shower, have a bath. You can take paracetamol, no problem. Um, and see if they can hang it, hang home for as long as they can. It's when the pains start getting a bit more regular. So within like 10 minutes, if you're having a contraction and then two minutes later, you're having another one, three minutes later, you're having another one. That's the point really to be kind of coming into us. OK, Um also, it depends where people live. We could have people living an hour away or even two hours away. Um, so if things are starting to heat up for them, you would tell them to make their way up to us because you, you don't want them having their baby Maybe it's on the motorway. But it happens. It does, yeah. These babies want to come. They come when they want to come. So, And you ring your toll to come in. Do you, When you come in, are you on an antenatal ward or are you straight into the delivery room and... Is that dependent on where you're at? And I suppose that is the most frustrating thing for women. Yeah. And it's frustrating for us as well because um, sometimes it can very much be to do with how many delivery rooms do we have? How much staff are there? How can we facilitate this? Like, is it safe to do so? So there's so many factors there. But if a woman comes in and she's in established labour, which is your three centimetres, um, our main goal is to try and get a bed for her on delivery suite. Now, other maternity hospitals might be a little bit different where they might have women labouring um, like they could be three centimetres but they might still be on the antenatal ward till they're maybe seven or eight centimetres. It all depends how many rooms they have but in the, the place I work anyway we try and get them over when they're three centimetres established labour because women might want epidurals they might want to use the gas and air um, plus they're in established labour so they need one-on-one -on -one care. That doesn't always happen, Stephanie, unfortunately. Um, so they could be three centimetres on a ward and they're waiting to get across to delivery suite. And on a ward, are they not allowed to have any pain? Like so you, you can't have... Pethidine is something we would offer. Um, if it's a case that we know that we're getting a lady to delivery suite, but we're just waiting on a room to be kind of clean, the floor is clean, mm -hmm. get a quick turnover. Um, they have gas and air on the wards that they can use. Um, but you don't want to be using that too soon either. Um, so... 
There are options for sure, but pethidine we would really only recommend for like early labour before you get into established labour. And the reason for that is it passes through the placenta. So a woman could go very quickly from three centimetres to fully dilated, which is 10 centimetres. That can happen really quickly. And if you give pethidine, because it passes through the placenta, the babies can come out really sleepy. Um, So we would recommend pethidine for the early stages. So when you're not quite in established labour, but the pains are really intense, you're just not coping at home, you need something to take the edge off Mm -hmm. that's when pethidine is brilliant Uh, and that would be given on your antenatal ward and you'd have a midwife monitoring you and baby and everything so um, but yeah once you're established you get across to the labour ward and then you have one-on-one care with your midwife does it happen that people actually deliver their babies on the ward oh yeah that oh, can, yeah. oh yeah, that can happen, especially with like someone next door in a curtain. Absolutely, yeah, that's the reality, unfortunately. Yeah. and it could be both terrifying and exciting for the other women. You know, especially if it's their first baby, they're like, "Oh my god, is this what happens?" Um, some women could be quite traumatized, naturally enough, by that. By uh, other, by, by seeing other, other women. Oh yeah, by just hearing them. Uh, we try and maintain the dignity so they don't see it, but they definitely hear it, and and that again happens because. Babies just come when they want to come. If if it was your second baby, things can go really, really quickly. Um, you know, a woman could be in a shower for pain relief and next minute she's pushing. That that can happen. But we've bells and all the toilets, there's midwives everywhere. We all know how to deliver babies, so it doesn't matter. They can have them in the car park, they could have them in the corridor in the hospital. Does that happen? It can, yeah. We would often get a call and it's like there's a woman down here pushing in her car and you'd have to go down with a delivery pack and yeah, yeah. And then, what obviously, baby's brought back inside. Half the time, the mother has done it all herself anyway. The child's up on her chest, and then we just transfer her onto the wheelchair and bring her up and deliver the placenta then and hope for the best. <laughs> hope for the best, yeah. So, um, when you were saying what to look out for, yeah. the water's breaking. Yeah, so when your waters break, the movies, like I said, make it feel, you feel like you're having a baby right this minute. The partners are panicking, and it's just everything's gone crazy at home mm-hmm. but if you're not having pains um, you know you can take your time we definitely need you to come in and the reason we need you to come in is to one make sure it is your waters because without being too graphic but at the end of pregnancy your discharge can be really watery it's called leucorrhea and a lot of people think my waters have gone but it's actually just your discharge uh, you want to make sure that you haven't literally peed yourself as well yeah. so we do tell women have a smell of your underwear is it urine because you'll know the different smell as yeah. well um, but generally when your waters go they keep coming so if you think your waters have gone put a pad on that's Rule number one put your pad on are you happy is baby moving okay if the answer is yes to that pack your bag and make your way in. What we will do then is we will um, do like a, a speculum, you know, like what you have like for... Like a smear, yeah. Exactly. Um, we don't always need to do them because if your pads are soaking wet, it's very obvious that your waters have gone. Yeah. Um, but we might have to do a speculum just to have a look um, to see, can we see those waters coming? Um, and it, is your cervix open? Is it closed? Um, t- so there's ways for us to check, yes, it is your waters or no, it's not. We also want to know what colour they are. Um, because babies, if they're in any kind of distress, they could do a little poo on the inside, which is called meconium. So your waters would be like green in colour. Um, also, if there's any bleeding, we just want to make sure that they're nice and clear. Uh, we and is it an emergency if they're green or red uh, if there's blood? 
so if there's blood, it could be because you're now in established labour and your cervix, you're progressing. But again, we don't know that. If it's heavy, heavy blood, um, it can it would be an emergency situation, yes. And then with the meconium, um, it's a sign that baby has isn't happy, wants to come out. And so we would kind of expedite the labour. So you would be technically kind of inducing a woman then if she wasn't having pains. Now, just to clarify as well, when you go over your dates, it can be quite common that when your waters go, there could be a little tinge of green, which is the meconium, because at that point, your baby, everything's maturing, the bowels matured. So when you break the water, sometimes there can be a little bit of poo there because your baby's more than ready to come out. Right. Okay. Uh, so that can happen. Um, but if it's if you're before your dates and that's happening, um, we would be wondering why. why. Why is this happening? Your baby's not happy here. So we would put you on the CTG monitor. And, and what is the... What are the rules around induction? Like, can a woman choose to be induced if she's just done with being pregnant? Or is that not <laughs> ideal? Well, do you know what? Uh, that That is, they would definitely need to have a conversation with obstetrics. That's completely beyond a midwife's scope, for sure. Um, but she absolutely has the right to speak about it. And all we can do is give you the risks and the benefits and have a chat about it um, and explain what it involves. Um, there are obviously... What are the risks? Of, of an induction. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, there's induction. There's a reason for induction. Um, like if you diabetes in labour. Sorry, if you had preeclampsia, um, if your baby was like we call it intrauterine growth restriction. So if they just weren't growing. The, at the level they should be you're wondering yeah. well there's obviously something going on with the placenta here so there's reasons why women are being induced okay um, and, and that is to prevent other risks so there's risks and benefits with everything but an induction I suppose it's more invasive in the sense that we are now getting you into labour rather than letting your body do it. So yeah. you're getting oxytocin put into your system. Um, it's probably a, a lot more intense than if your body goes into labour itself. Labour pains are painful, but I suppose they just go up a lo- another notch when you're introducing oxytocin on top of that. Um, so there are papers out there to say like when you're being induced, there's higher risk of instrumental deliveries or resections. Um I mean, I've seen both sides. Yeah. Like, you know, you could you could argue that all day long. Um, but I've seen very successful inductions. We do inductions every day. Um, and people have had lovely vaginal deliveries. They've had lovely instrumental deliveries. You know, yeah. like, it's lovely for that person. It all depends. And can someone in the public system just choose to have a C-section? For no reason then they just want one. Well, to be honest with you, we try and like nobody wants to put you uh, for a C-section straight away. Like there's usually a reason for it, but you have to look at that bigger picture. Like somebody mentally mightn't be prepared for labour. They could have had a history of trauma and they just can't go there. They could have had a previous um, delivery that ended up being quite traumatic for them. They could have had like a, a bad tear down below. Like there's loads of reasons why a woman mightn't want to do this. Yeah. Um, so you have to look at that. Again, it is surgery. So a doctor has to explain the risks of a section. So I suppose once the woman knows all the facts and has all the information at her hand, then she has to make that decision. I mean, obviously, it's her. Cho- it is her choice. But there's doc- like that's when we would link you in then with the obstetricians because they would be the one doing that. But they would all prefer if a person could do it vaginally because going forward, you know, if you're to have 
other children. Like um, feedbacks are a lot more successful now. Feedback, uh, is, feedback vaginal is vaginal birth, birth after, after section, uh, which can absolutely happen. Um, and more and more women are opting in for that, which is super. Um, so, I mean, there's good and bad with everything, mm-hmm. but... I mean, that's why you need to you need to sit down and talk about it and you need to know all of the risks and benefits. It's informed consent, really. And is it more like, do you see it more like are more women having sections now or is the trend going back towards vaginal birth? So uh, vaginal births are, is definitely up there. Like there are some elective sections, but there's reasons for them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it could be a breach. You could have had a section on your last baby and you never actually laboured, so your cervix never laboured and you just don't want to go there again because maybe it was an emergency section on your first and it's a trigger for you and you just can't go there. So there's there's reasons why there's elective sections um, and then multiple births as well. That would be an elective section. Um, so they would definitely, they have that in their head, but they will be talked to by an obstetrician as to why it might be better to do vaginally. Um, so it would have to be a discussion because each, each, it's an individual case, you know. I want to talk to you for a minute about our sponsor, Rockwell Financial Management. And wait until the end of this ad because they have an offer for you. Rockwell Financial, they offer wealth management advice for everyone. Small to medium enterprise owners, executives, people. And so that you can take your time to run your life and run your business and they can deal with your wealth. So they help you to protect and enhance your wealth if you're a sole trader or you're running a business with over like 100 employees. They have really, really unique experience in helping you extract wealth from your business in a tax efficient way. Not tax evasion, tax efficiency. So they specialise with um, self-employed people and SMEs and they understand exactly what it's like to be in their position um, and they have tailored advice accordingly. They have no interest in complexity for the sake of it. They just want to get to the point pretty quickly and no matter where you are in the country they can work with you because they can also work over Zoom. And they specialise in exit strategies like um, getting money out of your pension, succession plans and vital business protection but they're not just limited to that. They're really proud supporters of women in business and um, they can be the most underserved people when it comes to wealth management advice. And so they have a special offer for um, basically listeners. Go to rockwellfinancial.ie forward slash basically and you will get a complimentary wealth management discovery meeting. They identify the top three quick wins for your wealth management strategy and you'll be entered into a draw for a complimentary full day's coaching with one of the top business advisors in the country. So that's rockwellfinancial.ie forward slash basically. As you know, this show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. There are loads of great shows on the network that you should really check out. Here's one of them. Phoning it in. It's a hilarious improvised phone-in show and every week the host Dave Coffey feels a collection of calls from a bunch of cranks, oddballs and weirdos. He's joined in studio by regular guests who lend some expert advice to the callers. Hello, my name is Dave Coffey and I'm the host of Phoning It In, the hilarious improvised phone-in show. It's like Joe Duffy's Liveline, except we make it all up on the spot. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 episodes featuring some of the best comedy performers in the country. People like Kevin McGahern, Alison Spittle, Killian Sunderman, Shane Dan Byrne, Joanne McNally, Michael Fry, Emma Doran, Peter McGann, Hannah Mamalas, Tony Cantwell and so many more. Join me, Dave Coffey, for phoning it in right here on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And now back to the show. So then uh, you're in the labour ward or in the car park or <laughs> on the antenatal ward yeah. and you have your baby. Um, what is the, what's the, so say if it's a vaginal birth, it's not a C-section, how long do you stay in the hospital and what's the situation with partners being there now? What are the HSE guidelines? 
So, or was it hospital to it's hospital? It's definitely hospital to hospital for sure. So where I work, um, there's no uh, grandparents visiting anymore. They can't bring the kids in. It, that all changed from COVID. But your partner, if you're on an antenatal ward or a postnatal ward, they can kind of come and go throughout the day. So from eight in the morning till nine o'clock at night, they can come in and be with you and visit. If it's a case that you come to the assessment unit, they can be with you in the waiting room. But the unit is so small that the partners just have to wait in the waiting room. But they're in the building. They're with you. Um, if it's a case that we know labour is coming, but you're not quite there and you're happy to mobilise, you can be moving around the hospital and your partner's with you the whole time. And then once you come to the labour ward or, or if you go to theatre for a section, your partner's with you throughout the whole thing. Um, if you deliver over overnight um, you could be on the labour ward for maybe two hours depending um, if you need any suturing or if you're, uh, how your bleeding is or just to help you with feeding we'd keep you there for about two hours and then get you down to the ward and if it's overnight that's the point then when the partners have to go because uh, there's women sleeping around you um, so it's just it wouldn't be fair to them to have random people walking about you know um, so but during the day um, it's it's probably better because you know you're on the labour ward and then you go to the ward and the partner can stay with you then until mm-hmm. nine o'clock at night and what's the story with home births then midwife led like I know the HSE have community midwives that would do home births mm-hmm. is that something that you're well obviously you're where you work in a hospital um you have to be within a certain radius of a hospital to have a home birth don't you just in case something goes wrong and they have to come in yeah. would you see many women coming in from home births um, they they can do, yeah. Um, but that's generally because maybe the baby's just shown is in a bit of distress. Um, if their waters have now become meconium stained, um, there's generally there's always a reason. Like home births are safe because you you have two midwives. Yeah. Um, so it's actually great you have more hands on deck. Whereas in the hospital, it's just me and the yeah. woman. You know, it, it's fantastic when a second comes in because it's extra hands. But you'll always have your two midwives on on with you throughout. Um. They're all trained. They're all very safe. And um, we have HSE home birth midwives, so they would be linked in with the hospital. Then you have your independent midwives as well. But we are there to take anybody in, you know, because um, mm-hmm. you you want a safe outcome for mum and baby. So it can happen, and and that's usually why, say, if they're fully dilated and there's no sign of baby for well over an hour or two, then you'd be like, well, what's happening here? So if they feel like things are changing they'll contact us and then the woman will be brought in. Also, you could have, she might have a beautiful delivery at home and then the placenta decides it doesn't want to come. That can happen as right, well. Okay. And so then they might have to come in to us then for like a manual removal. It doesn't happen too much, but it can happen. And um, yeah. And what's the average time post-delivery of staying in the hospital? So it Imagine. all depends on the woman as well. Um, we have early transfer home. So, if you're in, this is kind of with your catchment area, so it can be a bit of a tricky one. So, like, I'm a Northsider, but I had my babies in the coop, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have Southsiders who have their babies in the, in the rotunda. But if I don't live in that area, then I don't get to see my midwives afterwards. It's my public health nurses. Okay. But if you are the lucky one in that area, um, you could be gone after 12 hours, 24 12? max. Yeah, oh yeah, God. you could be. Uh, 24 maximum, because a lot of the pediatricians like to just hang on to the babies for at least 24 hours, because um, if, if there's a murmur or any sign of infection, it's going to show up then. So it also depends on that. But if you're doing well and you know that you're in the right area and you're going to be seen by your midwives like the next day, 
Um, you you could go home that soon, yeah. Sure, the UK it's six hours. Six hours. Yeah, yeah, it's very different. The community service is different there. Yeah, but they yeah. have their health visitors. Yeah, and kind of stuff. but uh, six hours, like if you're doing okay, yeah, it's it's quite nerve wracking. I, I was five days. No, I had a section, but yeah. um, I had an emergency section, but okay. I was five. If I could still be in there, I'd still be in there. I know. So please don't make After, me leave. And you know She's what? six months. Like It's so funny. And all women are like that because they have their little babies in their, their car seats and they're looking at you going, are you actually you letting me go home, home with this like, baby? You're like, bye, best of luck. See yeah. you later while somebody else starts Absolutely. leaving. Listen, it's so it's so overwhelming and we all get so um, caught up on being pregnant that we actually forget, oh my God, there's a baby now and yeah. now I have to be a parent. Yeah, it's frightening. Do you ever, this is my, one of my last questions. So uh, I went like 24, 25, 26 weeks, I went on holidays to Portugal and I was like Googling all the hospitals. My obstetrician had said like, just make sure yeah. that you know where the latest hospital is and that they have a maternity ward or whatever. Does it ever happen that you get people presenting in labour and you don't know who they are like they're not registered with the hospital because they're on holidays or something every day you're joking definitely every day and especially now because we we have a lot of refugees in, oh, yeah. in Ireland so there are women coming on planes I don't even know how they're allowed on the planes but they're they're obviously uh hiding their bump I don't know how they do it but um, we've had women come off a plane in labour and come to us and, and it is frightening because you, you, you have no idea like the, there's a language barrier so you'll always try and get an interpreter because you need to know information but you've no idea how many weeks she is is there one, two, three babies what's going on um, what's her virology status like she could be HIV positive um, you've no idea uh, what's going on there so and, and they're having a baby so you're just hoping for the best do you know um. So yes, it happens more than you know. Yeah. But then, because I've often wondered, like, if so, say you're on holidays, or or a refugee. Well, a refugee is kind of different because they're yeah. probably not going back. But if you're on holidays and you have your baby here, how do you get them back to where you're from? I know they need a passport. Exactly. I I'm sure there are. Th- I, yeah, like, there must be. There like. has to be like a clause. Like as soon as you're born, um, you have your birth registered from us, but you have to be obviously to get your passport. Um, you, you need, need to have a birth certificate. Yeah. You know. Um, but there there's definitely ways that they can bring that forward you like you've three months to register your birth in Ireland so like if you don't if like the baby's name in three months it's fine you'd just go and do it then you know yeah. Um, but the, yeah they, there would have to be uh, ways around that but that would be with the, the registry board now I wouldn't have a clue no, about I know. that it's just something that I was wondering yeah. I was like what if I have but, the baby but, in Portugal but then? you know what that can happen and that's why a lot of people do have the fear of going abroad as well Um, but like some people are allowed to carry their, their notes as well their maternity notes so yeah, you can I, always bring them with you. Yeah, I think that's mad. My my mm. mum works um near CUMH okay. in a cafe, and she often has people leaving their, their whole notes. file oh, no. <laughs> after their lunch. That's lovely, I, isn't I it? wouldn't be <laughs> trusted with mine. Um, so is there anything else people need to know about? Uh, I guess midwife led care, um, rather than obstetric care. I guess it's if it's a low risk pregnancy if it's a low women ri- have been giving birth for millennia but that's it like there's the maternity strategy out there and like it's midwife is with woman you know so mm-hmm. like it's one, it's the oldest job in the world do you know what I mean one of yeah <laughs> um, won't get into the other one but uh, it's one of the oldest jobs in the world um, women have been having babies at home forever and they're still doing it um, things have just changed now um, our babies are bigger our women are older. Things are changing. There's not only just being pregnant. There, there could be a whole other umbrella of problems with with women. So things are definitely changing, and that's why it's very obstetric led as well. But um, 
you have your midwives, then you have your combined care, which is your GP and your hospital. Again, you're seeing midwives. And then if you are just that little bit higher risk, yeah, you will be seen under the obstetricians. But and it, some it, women prefer that. It, it It's a very, it's choice as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I was private because my first, we had a second trimester miscarriage okay. and I That's just, really tough. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. So I just wanted, I didn't really want to be in and out of the hospital. Absolutely. I wanted to see them in their private rooms and, you know, there was lots of stuff mm-hmm. there. But it is true, isn't it, that even if you're in the public system and you're it's midwife led at the start, if anything happens, you will be under an obstetrician yeah. and you'll get the care that you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as soon as you're no longer low risk, you're 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 very much looked after um, obstetricians as well. Um, it's always going to be your midwife that's going to deliver you. Yeah. The doctors get involved if um, they uh, if they need to for mm-hmm. instruments or if we need to go for an emergency section. But it is very much your midwife with you. But yeah, if anything changes, like if you get gestational diabetes, you're now under the obstetrician's care. Yeah, it does change. But I suppose you could argue everything. Like the private doctors are there. There's like That's great for some women because, you know, they might have had a big gynae history and they've built up a report with that, with that particular doctor and they want to follow through then and have their babies so it's a very personal thing like to us it doesn't matter because whether you're public private semi-private you're you're getting the exact same care from a midwife there's no there's no private midwives yeah we're just we are who we are and we don't really care what colour your chart is we're 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 just there to make it a really nice experience for you you know so well thank you so much that uh, I'm really glad that we finally got around to talking about that Um, my best friend in the States She's Irish, but she lives in the States and she had a home birth okay. in the States on her second baby. And she sent me a video. Oh, lovely. It. I still haven't, <laughs> had the, I haven't had the courage to watch it because the it. first, the opening moment is pretty graphic. Um, <laughs> but she wanted me to watch it because she doesn't have, she can't watch it back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's all different, all all different types of there's people. There's all different and types. And it's, but either way. Babies are going to di- dictate what happens. They really. absolutely do. You could have a, a fantastic plan, but your baby's going to decide at the end of the day. And, um, and you know what, whatever way your baby comes out, it doesn't matter. It's your baby. You've worked hard for that baby. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's a privilege. Yeah. And I think all those discussions about like women who have like really stringent ideas about how they want it to happen. That's all pre baby stuff. Like once the baby comes out, it's like, what yeah. was that plan for? Absolutely. And no one has a clue. There's no book. Well, there's loads of books, but too uh, many books. there's way too many books. Don't read any of them. Just just wing it. We're all winging it as parents. So, yeah. Melissa, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to another episode of Basically. I'm your host, Stephanie Preisner. Our music is by Only Rue and our graphic design is by Kahlo Gara. We're produced by Megan Fox and we're part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. See you next week. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.